Hello and welcome to the Four Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and this week my guest is Golf Week senior writer Adam Shupak, who's in Memphis, Tennessee, covering the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Among the things that Adam and I discussed in the podcast you're about to hear are is John Rahm, who is now the number one player in the official World Golf Ranking, really the best player in the world? Why can't Tony Finau close out golf tournaments and win? And what do we make of Tiger Woods skipping this week's World Golf Championship just a week before the PGA Championship, the season's first major? We also talked about Adam's visit to Sweeten's Cove. I'm very, very jealous of this. He had a chance to play the very trendy, very cool nine-hole golf course outside Chattanooga and tells us all about it. Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Backbook, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the take-anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14-day trial. So now coming to us from the Volunteer State, Tennessee, a state that I have yet to visit. There are only a few states left in the Union, Adam, that I have not visited. Tennessee is one of them. Welcome back to the Four Press Podcast. Tell people what it took to get you into the Volunteer State. Well, you know, I'm just... I'm not quite ready to step on an airplane just yet. Every doctor I talked to tells me they wouldn't do it. So uh, I decided to drive 11 hours. It was uh, 411 miles. I had a full tank of gas, had to stop once, um, you know, six pack of water. And, uh, you know, I was on a mission for God from God. I don't, I don't know if Jake and Elwood Blues <laughs> would totally be down with what you were packing, you know, but uh, one of the best scenes in, in all of movies right there. You know, it's just, just fantastic. But OK, so you uh, 11 hours. Um, was it a, was it a was it a lousy drive? How was how it was, was the drive? It was only seven. No, it was it was it was smooth. I, you know, I listened to some podcasts, talked to a whole bunch of caught up with friends and stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a nice drive, but I stopped. That was only that four hundred eleven miles only got me to Sweetens Cove Golf Club. Golf Club. Bingo. Um, the very yeah, the very much hyped uh, nine hole course that uh, I've written about it a few times. The little engine that could. It's just an incredible story. Um, you know, you get, Google it if you don't know it. But um, I, I've been dying to get there and play it. I keep saying to Rob Collins, one of the architects, that I that I was going to come, and and I finally did. So. This I got there. The, one of the highlights of this trip, Deuce, was that as I crossed into Tennessee and mm-hmm. in between getting into the Volunteer State and arriving in South Pittsburgh, you know, the town of South Pittsburgh where the course is, yeah. I gained an hour of daylight because I moved into the central time zone. And so I had a little more time to enjoy the course because I didn't get that. I got a, a late start on the road, rental car issues, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I only thought I was going to have, you know, really going to have to scramble to, to squeeze the nine. But the, the skies cleared up. Not even Sweet. the good Lord would ruin the greatest round of my life. <laughs> Boy, we're dropping every really, movie quote in the yeah, book here in the first yeah. couple of minutes. But so, so tell me about that. I have read your stuff about this. I've read a lot about this. And I've seen pictures online. And this is one of the very trendy, very hip spots right now in golf. And I understand it's outside of Chattanooga if I if I if I recall yeah, correctly yeah. um nine holes but 
this is this is held up as one of those places that has become a mecca for golfers that like you kind of got to do it so what was it like what was the vibe tell me about it well i happened to be there on on a monday when the course was technically closed and so i kind of got the feel of what it was like in the very beginning before it became a a place that everybody was traveling to Mm -hmm. um the, the interesting thing was the general manager was out there trying to set a record, raise some money for charity, and he played 254 holes uh, in a golf cart yesterday and played through me a couple times. A had couple? His son, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, going shotgun. And, and uh, some. I mean, the guy must be a stick because he made f- reportedly 46 birdies in, uh, in all those golf holes. That's pretty impressive. That is an unbelievable thing. So – Tell me about what the course looks like. Tell me about what what it plays like. I mean, obviously, if you were there when technically the course is closed and someone's trying to play, you know, over 250 holes for a charity event, the vibe is going to be very different. But we we all sort of see these different must play areas and we can think about what what they look like and what they are, you know, abandoned dunes with all the stuff along the cliffs and with the the amazing views of the water. And, and if you go to some of the places out on Long Island, you get some of that vibe. Um, you know, wherever you know the, your must play place is, St. St. Andrews, we kind of know all about that. But this is a relatively new one. What is the topography? What's the course like in Tennessee? Yeah, you're, you kind of tee off from the top of a valley, and I'm looking out, and there were, there had just been a storm not long ago, and and there was just steam rising in the mountains. Oh wow! Um, it was really really picturesque, and. Uh, you know, kind of pretty wide open, and it's all about you know angles here because the greens are the greens were huge. They're over a hundred thousand square feet in a nine-hole course. The the sh- smallest green was five thousand square feet, wow. and they had two flags on each hole. That's a relatively new thing that they've been doing now. And so what I did was I just played I played a ball to both both flags. Oh, fun! And you know, yeah. And so one, you know, I kind of got a feel for 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 both you know the back pin, the front pin, and um. Just, just the greens had so much movement to them and false fronts, and you know I was chipping them off the green, and and uh, it was just I, I kind of got you know burned some rookie mistakes probably that were made out there by me, but but I enjoyed every bit of it. A couple really really cool short par fours, um, one that I I nearly eagled. I kind of I kind of thinned uh, uh, my my uh, my bump and run pitch up there, and it hit the stick. So I did, I did make at least one birdie while I was there. I was pretty happy, happy to make that. And, um, you know, and the last hole was, uh, the final hole is a par three and I hit into the back bunker and I hadn't been in a bunker all day, which I was pretty proud of. Cause there are some ridiculously difficult looking bunkers, including like a knockoff of the, the devil's asshole of pine Valley. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I'm in this bunker and I played about 20 feet left of the hole and the ball went up this slope and came back down toward the hole to about five feet. I made the putt, and that, that's the signature shot for me. I'll, I'm going to remember that one for a long time. Is it the most fun uh, nine-hole course you've ever played? Oh, wow, that's a really good question. I think I think I maybe had more fun playing Bandons. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's more of a par three. I don't know if it's apples to apples. Yeah, I was going to say, because really when you, when you talk about the preserve, which is the, the short course at Bandon, um, that's more, I, I think there's 13 holes, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, as yeah, of now there that's are, true. I think there are plans somewhere for the remaining holes to get it to 18, but if I'm not mistaken, you know, that one's there. I, I, I just ask because there are so many 
little local places that have great flavor and color to them that seem to be coming around or coming styles. You know, people people want to play these kind of things. And and Bandon is, you know, sort of a special place, obviously. Even if it didn't have the preserve, it would be special. But the the resurgence of par three courses, of nine hole venues, of shorter courses, people used to call them executive courses, you know, or, or whatever you want to call it, is is being touted by a lot of people as like one of the saving graces or saving things for golf. That that, you know, golf rounds played this year are through the roof. I mean, it only took a pandemic, right, for people to realize <laughs> that golf is a great way to spend time with friends. It, we can do it safely now. Get outside, get some exercise. Rounds played pretty much across the country are up year over year, which is unbelievable when you think about where we were a few months ago. But until that happened, par three courses were seen as like, hey, the, the footprint and the amount of land, the amount of resources, the amount of money it takes to to build these things and to maintain them is half of what it would be. You know, you get, you've got time. You can get around these things and usually hour and a half. That's that's a manageable thing. Great for kids. The courses are shorter. It's more manageable for them. And so I, I love the idea of these places. You know, I want my bucket list one right now, I really want to get to the cradle and and head over to Pinehurst and just to see that one. I've had a chance to play some other ones. They can be really challenging, but um, this one also, Sweetens Cove is, is, is high up on my list. I have no idea when the hell I'm going to get there. Um, so the other one you, you mentioned is my favorite. Well, Jason Lusk, our, our colleague and travel editor, told me I need to go play on the way back. I might go next Monday and play Sewanee. He said Sewanee is, a, is also really high on our list. And uh, it's it seems like it's on the way. So I haven't made a phone call yet, but I might be. <laughs> well, be dialing, <laughs> as they used to say, be dialing. Um, <laughs> so this week, we are at TPC. Excuse me, we're not at TPC. Yeah, well, we are. We're yeah, at TPC yeah, Southwind, WGC, FedEx, St. Jude Invitation. Boy, that all just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Um, it's it's our first TPC, world go- uh, three weeks in a row of TPCs. That's that that's a lot of TPCing, and you live close to a TPC, so this is like a home <laughs> game semi for you. Um, our first World Golf Championship of the season, and as you would expect, the field is absolutely stacked. We've got John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Bryson is coming back, Dustin Johnson's back, Patrick Cantley, Kyle Morikawa. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about John Rahm because since the last time we spoke, John Rahm has now ascended to number one in the official world golf ranking. And I totally get it, but I want to ask you, is John Rahm right now today, the best golfer in the world? I mean, you could definitely make a case for him. I, I think it's, I think there really isn't a, a, like a true tiger woods type number one right now, because, okay. you know, R- Rory's had it, had a really big, great stretch. And, and, and I think Justin Tom Thomas, who as number three, if he, if he wins this week, he'll be back to number one. I think you could make just as good an argument for him. He's got three wins on the PGA Tour since since he was at since he played in this event last year, and, and mm-hmm. could have had a fourth if he if he uh, closed out at the uh, Muirfield event at that uh, Workday Charity yep. Open a couple of weeks ago. It's 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 interesting because I, I agree. Like I, it's I, I'm giving it to Rom now, and I th- I've always thought that he would attain the world number one ranking. I had no doubt in my mind that he's going to win major championships, that he would be a world number one. I didn't think it was going to happen this fast. Um, it seems like he has been able to compile you know, such a good record, but there is a little hint here and there of some inconsistency. Tiger never had that. You know, Tiger with the, the, the made cuts streak 
is about as unassailable a record as we may ever see again in sport. Forget about golf. He just never, never missed cuts. And he was always around in a bad tournament when Tiger was in his prime is, you know, T15, T12. That was when people would be like, oh, what's going on? Um, as you mentioned, Rom wins at Memorial, but T27, T37, um, T33 at the Heritage, missed the cut at the Schwab coming back. That's fine. He did T3, uh, tied for third, uh, WGC Mexico, which only feels like it was 50 years ago. He was the runner-up uh, at Torrey Pines. He was the runner-up at the Hero, which does have official you know, points and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's got the game, doesn't he, of a world number one. When, when Rom is feeling it, he looks like a number one, doesn't he? He does. When, when he's on, I mean, he's been winning tournaments by four, five, six shots. Kind of, it's a little Rory-esque the way when, when he, when he tends to win, especially some of the European tour events and what he did, he had a big lead. I mean, he was just destroying guys at, at the Memorial until, you know, the back nine when he, things got a little interesting and then the penalty stroke. But, um, I, I just think he's got, uh, it, it, the question with him is is more about the mental side of the, the game yep. and, and and controlling his temper. And I think he's starting to show signs that he can. And I don't know. I was just really impressed listening to him talk in his uh, pre-tournament press conference here in, in Memphis. I, I, I happened to you know he brought up the fact that he finally wrote down that he wanted this goal of becoming number one, and he he said that you know. He kept saying it's you know it's just one of those things that'll come if I do this right. But he, once he finally verbalized it, put it out there into the world, he said, or at least to himself, um, it really sat in his brain. And and it and and, it, and during quarantine, the, the process of thinking about this every single day to play good golf and 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 wanting to get to number one, I think that that has really made a difference for him. And um, you know, I, I can't wait to see how he plays in some of these majors coming up because I, I still I, I still got to see him do it. Yeah. Um, under the under the the hot lights of uh, trying to win a major championship on Sunday. So other players have ascended to the world number one, several of them, without having won a major championship. Luke Donald did it. Lee Westwood was up there for about a cup of coffee and a half. Um, you can compile and get so many top tens and top performances in big events without winning major championships. Where you get this, and and right now Ram has had that. Um, it's it's hard to believe he's twenty five. He's so young, um, and. I don't think we clearly have seen the best of him because I 100% think you are correct. His mental game is still like a, a B minus C plus. Everything else is off the charts. Fantastic. You and I are both stat geeks. He ranks sixth in strokes gained off the tee. Um, he is 45th strokes gain approach. Sneaky good putter. You know, he's he's picking up a half shot on the field as a putter. His, his overall strokes gained is just a shade under two, which ranks fourth on the PGA Tour this season. Um, he's He's got every shot in the book, and there are certain players when I feel like they've got momentum, they're – Ram is like a train when he's going. When he gets a couple birdies in a row, he, he can dismantle a golf course. He absolutely pummels it off the tee. Um, he hits these great iron shots. But at the same time, when he gets off track, any number is in play. Any number can, can be made. We have seen really bad um, mistakes from him from a course management standpoint. Um, but I, I agree. I think it seems like he is maturing. And if he does, and if he can get that final piece of the puzzle, a little bit more mental toughness and just the willingness to grind it out, 
and avoid those big numbers, then I, I really think the sky is the limit. I think the world of John, I think he's a great guy. He's a refreshingly good guy to interview. I'm sure you know, you've know you been around a lot of media centers and, and heard him speaking and asking him questions. He's, he seems like a genuinely good guy. So I, I think he's easy to root for. He's going to be brutal for about the next two decades in Ryder Cup because tell you yeah. what, in match play, a guy who plays with that, uh, who, who are we going to want to send out there for the Americans a year from now against that? If he's still number one and maybe has a major under his belt, look out for Rahm and Ryder Cup. And, and speaking of which, I think a real turning point moment in his very young career yes. was beating Tiger Woods yep. in the singles match of the Ryder Cup. I think that did an enormous amount for his confidence and and really set him on the path that he's that he's now that he's now on at number one. Yeah, I I, I think that you 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 pretty much hit it on the head. Where yes, Rom is the guy, um, but there are others who are going to be nipping right at his heels. One of whom is Roy McIlroy. We haven't seen really Roy put on you know the four good rounds as as the cliche says since the restart has been back. I was I thought it was interesting that he started putting up swing videos on Instagram this last week. You know, he was at home in Florida, has clearly been grinding, trying trying to work out the swing. Um what what do you sort of make of where where Rory is right now? Are you surprised that he didn't come out of the restart playing a little bit better or do you just sort of brush this off as like everybody's going to be deserving a little bit of time to to kick off the rust and kick the tires and and get it going again? Yeah, I think the I think the layoff came at a bad time for him because he was just rolling. I mean, he was playing some of the best golf of his career and the Masters was coming up and, uh, and he was going to be, I mean, he's typically the favorite, but really seemed like he was playing like that this could be the, the year. And now yeah. he has to wait all this time. And I think he's lost some momentum. Um, doesn't have a top 10 yet since the resumption. Nope. And uh, I, I think this will be a, a, a telling week and that, you know, this was a, a big event last year that that he 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 could not he had uh, he got outdueled by Brooks Kepka, and uh, you know those two guys were really battling it out for the alpha male of the PGA Tour at that point. And when uh, when Brooks did what he did, I think Rory went back to the drawing board and said, "Well, yep. I'm I'm a little I gotta be tougher. I, I gotta work. I gotta want this more." And and he really went out and he took it to him at the Tour Championship, and it's just been on a roll. But so I'm interested to see how, you know, he definitely played some pretty good golf for three days last year. And I think, you know, in the back of his mind, he'd like to uh, to get a little redemption at, at here in uh, Memphis. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned that performance and he has talked about it a few times. You know, he shot 62 in the third round at this event last year and didn't win. And I think that anytime a player that elite throws a number like that at the board, 69, 67, then he drops a 62 and shoots 71, and Kepka gets him. He's talked about how that was a really telling point, that that part of the season hit him pretty hard, and he needed to go out and to do something better um, and improve himself. And he came out and then tied for sixth uh, the Northern Trust, tied for 19th, and then ended up winning the Tour Championship, obviously, and went on just a, a tear. And... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's so hard for all of us who are on the outside to understand exactly where everybody was during the pandemic and when the lockdowns were really in place and how athletes are going to adjust to this new condition of competition that we're basically in, where you know you, you have to be at all times, some section of your brain is thinking about 
the environment that you're in, making sure that you and, and your loved ones, your cat, everybody is, is safe and doing the right thing. And how that's going to be played out every single week is a new added stress and component that everybody's going to have to learn to deal with. I, I, I think of the world of Rory, again, sort of like Rama. I realize I'm sounding like a broken record today, but he's going to win a lot more. Uh, there is no question he's going to win a lot more. Um, I'll be fascinated to sort of see exactly what we get because I think that that Rom getting to number one and Rory losing that could be just enough of the motivation to really focus his mind and maybe put him over the hump with the work that he's seemingly putting in in preparation for this and then obviously the PGA Championship uh, at Harding Park, which will be coming up very soon. One guy who's also been doing a very good job of getting himself in position but has not been sealing the deal is Tony Finau. And he had another close call again on Sunday. Um, again, super good guy. Always enjoy talking to him. But the numbers are simply what the numbers are. And this is getting to be a habit with Tony. He ranks in the top 15 on the PGA Tour in scoring average in the first round, second round, and third round this season. However, his fourth round scoring average, Shoop, is 71.33, which ranks 165th on the PGA Tour. What is up with Big Tone? Yeah, you know, I, sometimes there's there people say that, you know, someone could be too nice. And I, I just don't know if he's got that killer instinct uh, come Sunday. I, I, I think he's, you know, he's got so much talent. And with his, his abilities, um, you know, he, he shouldn't be losing to Michael Thompson. He knows that. Mm -hmm. he's, he's got he's got to win that on Sunday when he's got the a share of the lead on the on the 10th hole. He came out and, and had two two long putts early in the round to to claim the lead and I thought okay this is the day he's off and running but uh you know one thing you got to do is when you you know you, you got to learn your lessons when you in your failure otherwise you're just wasting time and the one thing I thought was you know he he blew the par 512 that was you know a, a bad par that he made there he's he's got to get he should have been he should have hit it in two then he made a bad pitch and and uh you know, missed a 20 footer and makes par there. And so he goes to 13 and he forces, he goes shooting for the pin and, and ends up making a bogey. That tee shot reminded me of, of him hitting in the water at 12 at Augusta national. And it's like, mm -hmm. Tony, come on, you got your, you, you, you changed caddies. You know, that's something a lot of players will do when they, when they, you know, don't have the success they want on Sundays. And he, he had his, I thought it was a great move bringing his, uh, instructor maybe the maybe the only person nicer than tony finau is boyd summerhays <laughs> and i thought having him on the bad would bag would be a really good calming influence um and and but again you know he didn't he didn't make another birdie until 18 when it was too late and uh i saw a tweet saying is is, is tony finau the new the new sergio garcia i don't mm. know but to me to me he feels like a little bit like the new charles howell the third just piling up top tens but yeah. You know, only winning a couple times, and Tony's only got that one win. He's tired of hearing the questions about when's he going to win again, and no. and that, how it was an opposite field event, and how he's a you know played on Ryder Cups and Presidents Cup teams, and been ranked in the top ten, but only one win at the Puerto Rico Open. You know, he's got a he's he's cashing a lot of checks, but uh, yeah, I I think I think you know he's going to get a new caddy pretty soon. He said he talked about probably. Uh, using his brother for this week and next at the Couple PGA events, yeah. and yeah. And having a familiar, you know, face on the bag, I think would be helpful, but I, I hope he goes with, uh, gets himself a real good big name who can, uh, you know, do almost like, um, you know, the, be the way that, 
that uh, you know, like Adam Scott had had the type well, of help that he needed to get over the top. I don't know if it's a long term deal, but seeing Jim McKay with Matthew Fitzpatrick last week that certainly yeah. helped him out a little bit. I don't know if that's a long term arrangement, but boy, wouldn't that just be interesting? I mean, a guy who you know is able to hit tremendous shots, tons of power, is just looking for that one little maybe intangible to to put him over the top. And Bones has got obviously oceans of experience at the very highest level that's to me would be fantastic uh, but again if Matthew Fitzpatrick was wise enough to lock him in and try and make a run with him then then good on good on the guy for for locking him and, in but I, I would love to see that and, and if I was his agent I might I might I might have him have a sit down with a Bob Rotella or or someone like yeah. that and uh because I do think that that's there, there's there's opportunity for improvement and 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 some of it comes down to decision making. Well, the talent, the talent, we both recognize the talent is there. I don't think anyone is disputing that he is capable of hitting the shots, scoring. He's played in everything now that he's going to play. He shouldn't be worried about the lights. He's getting experience playing in final groups. He's played in the final group at a U.S. Open. He's he's <laughs> he's dislocated or whatever he is, broken his ankle on the Wednesday at the Masters and still had a strong finish. Um, you know, he's he's been there and done that. He's just got that one last hurdle to get over. Um one guy who's who's you know cr- crossed that bridge and, and all those hurdles and whatever other cliche you want to throw out there is Tiger Woods, who is not in the field unfortunately this week at TPC Southwinds. You surprised that uh based on what we saw a couple weeks ago at Memorial the Tiger's not playing this week? Um, I, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. I do think he got he got four rounds in at Memorial and and, and was able to to see you know get, learn a few things and about where his game's at. Uh, I think he could have probably used some more reps, but the whole idea of playing two weeks in a row, I'm just not sure how how good the back is to, to do that at this point. Um, and I think you know it's going to be tough to it's going to be it would have been really easy to loosen up that back here in, in Memphis in the yeah. heat. But but next week at TPC Harding Park, we saw him have troubles uh, on the Friday round at the Memorial, where he just didn't have any speed and and struggled, you know, to get loose and and uh, you know I think that's going to be that's an ongoing thing that he's got to monitor and, and I don't know how much that played into the decision, but traditionally he doesn't really like to play the week before a major right. and seems to have made an exception to play in. Um, you know, when he used to play the Buick Open because he was a Buick guy and, and then also would play sometimes the WGC when it used to be at Firestone because he liked that place so much and, and, and seemed to win it every year. So it, it's, I, I, I again, uh, agree with what you're saying. I'd like to see Tiger have played more than one event before the PGA Championship. We're, we're not going to get that. Um, it seems like it's a lot to ask for Tiger to be able to get in contention having played just one you know, tournament for competitive rounds since you know the the restart has taken place it's it's an awfully big thing to ask when you look at the depth of the field the the way that some of these guys are playing he's got plenty of experience he knows Harding Park I don't think that's an issue at all right. but but the the thing that troubles me Shoop is and I get it like the the guy's got a lot of mileage on the back multiple surgeries but the part that gets at me is that from day to day we don't know and it doesn't sound like he knows what he's going to get how do you sort of get over the fact that you, the body just may not be capable of putting this together. And if you can't put in the practice in a competitive setting leading up to the most competitive and the toughest championships, 
it gets harder and harder to win them. So, I mean, I, we all appreciate what he did last year at the Masters, uh, winning in 2019, getting the fifth green jacket, but it looks more and more like that was probably an anomaly, that on any given day that he can shoot lights out, especially with the irons. He's just as, he's fantastic. But it, how realistic is it for us to hold him to the standard, a Tiger standard, when he can only play one week out of every three or four, you know, when, when they're competing? It's, it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he showed up at Zozo having not played for months and haven't had a surgery and looked as good as ever. So, you know, are we going to get that? Or, you mm-hmm. know, last year when he didn't play before the PGA and before uh, British Open, you know, it was a mis- it was miscuts and it was it was pretty, pretty ugly. So um, it's hard. It's, it's uh, I, I'm, you know, it's a good story yeah. to watch. You know, it, it, the watching Tiger for the next few years is still going to be. Yeah, uh, it's, we're, we're not know, going anywhere. And hopefully, hopefully he's not going a winner either. Um before we sign off, I, I've just been sort of looking at different rankings and different things of players and taking a look at some fantasy stuff. And there's there's a group of players, you know, we, we've talked today about Tiger, we've talked about Rom and Rory, we've talked about a, a whole bunch of people. We mentioned Justin Thomas, etc. Those are the star players. Um, and, and that's what we, we almost always end up talking about. There are so many players that are having great seasons kind of under the radar. Um, and... I wonder, if, for example, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to totally put you on the spot, what is it going to take and why don't people talk, for example, about Webb Simpson as a potential winner more? I mean, in a, a week from now, when we're talking about the PGA Championship and people are prognosticating about all kinds of different things, um, they're going to talk about Rory, they're going to talk about Rom, as they should, 100% as they should. What are we going to get out of Dustin Johnson? Will Brooks Kepka be able to sort of find something? You know, all these other things, you know, are, are some of the Europeans coming over and quarantining who are they, who's going to play, who's not going to play. I'm predicting we get very, very little chatter about, yeah, for example, right. Webb Simpson. Why is that? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, but I will say when we asked me who's the number one, I didn't think it, he's really played like he's the other guy who's played like a world number one. Yeah. Um, this, the, the last 12 months. And he's just been playing phenomenal golf. I think he's his putting. To, to become one of the better putters on tour again after the, the long years job. he had, tremendous job, just is just incredible. And uh, you know, I love watching the way he does it because you know he's he's not a long hitter, but he's added some length, you know, just enough so that he can still compete with these guys. And he's great at shaping it, and he just does everything pretty solid. And he he's he quietly does it, and you know, he, he's right there with with DeChambeau and and. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a pretty good pick this week, and and you know he won his one major out at uh, out in San Francisco, yeah, just across the way at Olympic, so um, familiar area for him. I, I I still think I think he's got another major in him. I do. Well, if he's if he plays the way that he's been playing again, you know, look, looking at the numbers and 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 the eye test tells you everything you need to see. The guy just every week that he's playing, it seems he is competing. He's there. Uh, obviously wins the RBC Heritage. He wins um, Waste Management Phoenix Open before the layoff. He missed the cut at Memorial, but I, I have a feeling he was a little bit r- running out of gas on that one. Um, he was third at the Sony Open earlier in the year, uh, runner-up at the RSM, top 10, you know, at, at a couple other places. He's he's done really well. His putting, for a guy who used the belly putter, he was adrift, and I'm sure that he would say it was – a really troubling thing for him. He right now ranks 17th in strokes gained putting. Uh, 
Um, he's 11th in approach the green. That is how you get Capone, as my buddy Seth Davis would say. <laughs> that is how you do it. He is not physically somebody who is going to move the ball like Dustin Johnson or Rory or you know DeChambeau or any of these guys. He's he's 297 off the tee, which is great. It's also 105th in driving distance. The tour is moving well past that. But as you say, he he can shape shots. He's become clutch with the putter again. He has played everywhere. He's won his major. He's played Ryder Cup. He's played President's Cup. He's won all these different things. It's interesting. I mean, I, I'm not sort of saying that we're not doing our job as guys who write about these players, but it seems like because he's a quieter personality, um, you know, he's a very pious guy. He's a very family-oriented guy. He doesn't have a game that's loud in the way that, for example, John Rahm has a big, loud, in-your-face kind of game. Um, the way that when Mickelson was really in his prime. You know, he was just it was it was a flashy game to watch. Right. Webb Simpson is much more methodical. You know, he's much more the working man's kind of thing. You could he he seems to be to me much more the example of if the the best version of the everyman golfer. Puts it great, irons it great, keeps an even keel. Um, you know, he and his caddy to to sort of Paul story have, have a, a tremendous relationship and have had it for a long time, but it's um it's easy to overlook him, and we shouldn't. I guess is is my thing. So I'm gonna. He, put it there. he feels a bit. He feels a bit to me like a like the Justin Leonard of of this era, where yes. you would think like that that his game should that he should be a forgotten figure right now with the way the game is going into the more the Matthew Wolfs and and DeChambeau trying to gain you know thirty yards off the tee. Um, but but he's still been able to to compete with those guys that you know you mentioned the waste management. He beat Tony Finau in that playoff. Let me uh, let me finish with one last one that uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to name three golfers, none of whom have won a major yet. You tell me which one you would pick at Harding Park to break through and win a win a major: Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, or Colin Morikawa. Well, I'm going to go with Patrick Cantley. Uh, I was I was I was hoping you were going to say three names, and then I could just talk, not name any of them and go with Patrick Cantley, and you named him first. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but I, I do think yeah. Xander Xander. Uh, you almost stopped me in my tracks there, Xander. That's a pretty good one. Um, but I, I'm 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 all in on Pat, Patrick Cantley. I really think um, he's got. He's another guy who. You know, give him give him a couple more years of getting getting comfortable out there. Has number one type potential. Um, isn't flashy. Maybe a little more on the on the Webb Simpson spectrum, but can do it all. All you know, you talk. Mm. You love the stats. I mean, that he's top twenty in like fifty categories. Everything. Everything. Remarkable. The, the, the kid is a machine. And I had an opportunity to speak with him before Memorial, where he was the defending champ, and it was the first time I'd really talk with him just one-on-one -on -one for a little while mature well beyond his years um i i love the game i love the control um i i love the the self-confidence that he has without coming off as cocky again all the shots um plenty of length sneaky good at, as you said just about everything there is not a weakness in his game and that can be good and sometimes that worries me because the guys who are good at everything tend to not be great at anything. Um, and usually you have to have one thing that your game is really centered on, that you you can really park yourself with. Jordan Spieth, when he was in his prime, always had that putting. 
he was just tremendous, even from distance. And then his irons got good. And then, you know, things sort of went away. D- Dustin Johnson could always drive the ball, even when he didn't putt it great. Um, Patrick Cantley is one of the few guys that really comes to my mind where I look at his game and he's so well-rounded and when he just has a little bit of a hot week boy he looks good and I I, I don't know part of me wants to say Morikawa um, because I I do think boy I, I, I would have thought that Victor Hovland of the guys I, I've always liked Hovland's game amongst the that class with Matthew Wolf and Justin Saw was in there for a little while but he's playing on the PGA Tour Latino America. Um, Morikawa, I didn't know quite as much about, but again, mature beyond his years, a, a game that seems like it's built for the PGA Tour. His putter scares me. Now, I realize that he just won by making a bomb on top of Justin Thomas to, to, right. to win, um, but I also remember him lipping out from three feet to lose. Um, his putting needs to get better. Everything else is grade A prime uh, in, in my book. So um, I got three names for you now. Okay, you throw ready? it at me. I love this. Yeah, None of them ahead. have won a major yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to start with Bryson DeChambeau. Yep. Tommy Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. Sung J M. It's going to be Tommy Fleetwood. I, yeah. I, I I think that uh, Bryson to me needs to prove it in a with his new game on a major golf course, which I think he could. But we haven't seen it yet, and I'm not going to bet him, and I'm not going to pick him until I've seen it. So I will be wrong until uh, I'll be right until he proves me wrong. I should say, Sungjae Im is so much better than people give him credit for, and his consistency and the work, tremendous player. I, I really like him a lot. So this isn't a slight to him. I think when Tommy Fleetwood is able to get his groove back here in the U.S., he played last week. Um, I think that he. Once once he finally wins, and he will, um, and guess it, he he's de- he can be great, absolutely great, a tremendously good attitude. Every once in a while, he gets a little pouty. Every once in a while, Fairway Jesus looks a little pouty. But <laughs> you know, I'll let other people cast the first stone on that one. I I, I think that he again, like, there's this recipe shoop, and I think that you probably buy into this. But I want to hear if if you if you disagree. There's a recipe for winning on the PGA Tour, and the recipe is to numerically give yourself lots of birdie looks, and that usually comes from really good approach shots, iron shots, usually. Um, if you can move the ball off the tee, that's great because it sets up easier iron shots. But Tommy Fleetwood is an elite ball striker, and when he is able to get some confidence going, he gets just so many looks at birdies that – he, he, he can win. Uh, I have not loved the fact, and I think it's a really, really hard decision for the European Tour players when they were going to come back to the United States, if they were going to come back. Uh, I believe that m- many players have cho- simply chosen not to. Lee Westwood said he, he's not going to be back, it sounds like, for a while. Adam Scott is, I believe, still in Australia. I don't know if he's coming back even this season. Um, he, was, he was you know on social media hitting balls. Fleetwood came back late. I respect the fact that he did whatever he felt was in his best interest and for safety and his family and all that kind of stuff. Once he gets his feet wet, I, I, I'm just waiting for Tommy Fleetwood to win. He's going to win. He's yeah, gonna win, I like right? him maybe. At, I like him at wing foot. Mm, sure. I, with, with the rough and the trees, he's, he's a little bit more accurate, some of these guys. See, wing foot scares me a lot for Bryson. I could see Bryson shooting 
on the first two rounds, shooting something like 66, 79. That, that is totally for me on the table because if he, if he drives the ball well, um, that, those fairways, you, it, it you could know, be leading if he shoots that. <laughs> oh, well, I, yeah. Well, yeah. Because that golf course is going to be absolutely brutal. But as soon as you go wayward and start venturing into some of those trees at Wingfoot and the way the rough is going to be, one of the sneaky things that people aren't really, who, who aren't familiar with this area, and you, you know the tri area well, in, in late September, it's the perfect time of year for playing golf and for the grass to grow a lot. Because you typically are talking like days, low 70s, evenings in the 40s or 50s. Um, it's, it's a beautiful time to play golf. That rough will be biblical in proportion. It will be crazy, I promise you. And if you are missing fairways and going off into the trees, it will be absolutely like hitting out of cream spinach. And every once in a while, we have seen, obviously, Bryson will go off the boil. And if he thinks he gets a couple of bad breaks, and if he all of a sudden doesn't get the shots that he thinks he deserves with what he's hitting, Wingfoot will be merciless. It will absolutely humble him. And... It'll humble a lot of guys. He will not be alone in that. But I, I think until he shows that he can win with this game at a major venue, not a PGA Tour event where the rough is relatively low and he's hitting literally driver, you know, lob wedge into the par fours. I don't think that winged foot with those trees, there will be many places where he's going to be able to really let it go because there's just too much movement in the fairways, too much curvature. Um, in those fairways, it'll, it'll be fascinating to see. What do you, what, what do you think of those guys? Oh, those three guys. I, I do think Tommy's probably he's he's knocked on the door a few times, and uh, I do. It, I would have liked to have seen him win the Honda and finally get a win on the U.S. PGA Tour versus mm-hmm. uh, Sung Jae Im, who who was the guy who who won that week. I, I think Im though is is dangerous. Um, Very good player. He he's been kind of cold. He's another guy like I put him in the Rory camp where the pandemic, you know, took away some momentum from them. And um, but but Sungjae Im is I I think you know he's he's the best young talent that people aren't giving enough credit at this point. Yeah, and that sort of speaks to to just the depth of the talent. We all know Rory's and Roms and DJs and you know, when he's healthy, Kepkas and etc. There are so many good players right now. And this right. is the one when I talk with people and they're like, oh, what do you think of Tiger's chances at the PGA? Or do you think Tiger can win the U.S. Open? Is it possible? Of course it's possible. But I think in so many ways that those questions just in and of themselves are disrespectful to the level and the depth of the talent that right now is playing on the PGA Tour. Um, you can go 15, 20 guys deep with players who are out there healthy, physically in their primes, who are tournament tough not that tiger's not i i get it um but people who are out there grinding away you know the patrick reeds of the world who a lot of times are not the fashionable pick um the up-and-comers like we, we've talked about morikawa and matthew wolf as soon as tony finau figures it out he's gonna be dangerous every single week i think the same with with shoffley cantley um those guys daniel berger the resurgent daniel berger who we haven't talked yeah. about what why not the guy was like, well, the, it was like a Tommy gun thing that he was the way that he was hitting shots. Like, you know, when, when he wins um, at Colonial, could he? Absolutely, absolutely. The depth of the talent right now on the PGA Tour is is striking, and I hope that fans appreciate that because yes, it's great to root for the stars and cheer for Justin Thomas and to to cheer for Rory. Everybody does. I get that, 
but appreciate the fact that like a lot of the guys who were like a click below that on the on the Q factor are really really good players and a lot of times are really good guys. It's easy to cheer for them too. <laughs> and then with that, with that, I stunned you. I, I, did you order in barbecue tonight? I, I went with. So everybody comes to Memphis for barbecue. I like. I, I'm all about the fried chicken. Gus's fried chicken, mm. the best fried chicken I've ever had. And so that's what I'm going with tonight. I definitely will get some barbecue. Um, I, I'm here for six more days, so six more nights. There'll definitely be some some ribs and some uh, some. Uh, Non-kosher meat eating. <laughs> Best damn fried chicken in the state. I'll have four fried chickens and a Coke. <laughs> chicken wings or chicken breast? No, we, all, four, we brought it right back full circle. Four fried chickens. Blues Brothers. And a Blues Coke. Brothers. And some dry white toast, please, ma'am. Shoop, enjoy your time in Tennessee. Slather on that sunscreen. I don't want to see you get incinerated out there. Uh, is it is it forecast to be hot? I'm assuming it's Tennessee and it's july going yeah to oh yeah it's gonna be hot it's gonna be steamy and it's right. probably gonna rain probably be some thunderstorms too all right listen stay dry stay well and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon buddy always fun mm-hmm.